Um, so how far are you, are you at this point? I just got the cursed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I figured you had managed to leave Sigil and all, but good grief, you have progress. Yeah, I um, I had my meeting. I I don't I don't want to say too much. Right. Uh, I had my my meeting with the the lady puzzle well, which was I, I enjoyed I enjoyed everything in that. Yeah, I am still in the rag picker square, and I think I am still farther than Wes is at this point. Um, so uh, Wes says that he's comfortable talking tonight, which is good. But I'm not entirely sure. Like you'll you'll have to do some historical analysis from your perspective. Yeah, I got, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Um... I'm trying to remember how oof. I'm trying to remember some of the details like I remember yeah, I, yeah so so have you met with Barrow yet I have not I am on the verge okay like, well then, then I, I, I can still probably I can probably still send my memory back a ways yeah if it helps I did find a fairly wonderful walkthrough um, that has been you know kind of great for reviewing since most of the stuff i did either last week or the week before um i'm kind of using that as my reference point but like we've got the the crier for the lost city of s ammon we've got phineas t lord and his crusade against the the cranium rats um we've got Reekwind, who i thoroughly enjoyed um we have the alley i love i love this i love this story oh Reekwind is so good um, we've yeah. got the, the whole side quest with the, the box that turns out to be very cursed. Um, we have the our, box. Yep. We have our conversation with Porphyron, which I believe Wes has finally made it to. Um, we have Nestor, the very sad man in the flop house who is uh, unable to get home, and we help him out. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. Like, there's plenty of stuff that has happened, but even so, you know, it was quite a while ago. They don't they, they don't they don't really go for dull side quests in Planescape Torment. No, they do not. Nor do they go for dull characters. Like, all you have to do is find any random person hanging out in an alley somewhere and strike up a conversation, and you might be there for twenty minutes. Yeah, they got stuff going on. I, I will. I will. Oh, I was just gonna ask if you mentioned the the guy who loves trees. Oh yeah, I didn't mention the tree guy. He was a little earlier, okay. and we missed him. Like we should have been talking about him when we were talking about the smoldering corpse bar. But I totally missed him. Mourns for trees. That's the guy. Mourns for trees. Yeah, he's like. He's interesting just because, you know, he, he brings out that element about how fate makes things happen in this city, um, which we see also with um, with our, our with Dakon and his, you know, blade that shapes according to his convictions, and the fact that, like, his entire tribe, you know, exists in that plane of chaos where they literally have to keep their minds focused on believing and doubt is literally lethal to them because it will make their world fall around, fall apart around them, both literally and figuratively. Um, Horns for Trees kind of drives that home that, like, if we just believe in the trees, the trees will grow. 
Um, so we're on that sort of quest to get all of the party members to believe. Um, like you can obviously you can agree to because you know it's your player you get to do what you want Dakon is totally on board all you have to do is ask him and then more you have to kind of convince him um, but he also has a moment like Mort the cynical always joking one like you, you tell him you know believe in the trees and he's like yeah fine whatever and you're like no seriously Mort you gotta do this and Mort gets solemn and he's like you know what I will I will do that um, it's just a cool moment, like this sort of really small pittance of a thing. This one guy who has this one little thing that he cares about, and you decide to care about it too. There's a connection back to him when you're trying to find out about the seed for the midwife as well. It's, and I don't know if. Going back and talking to him will do something for that side quest. I, that's about as far as I got with it, though. I was able to find a merchant, and then the merchant said he couldn't help me. And then I think my character says to himself, "Oh, maybe he mourns for trees." Would know something about this. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's an awful lot to keep track of. Um, yes. I don't know where to even start. Quests. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like I said, yeah, earlier, um, the the extent of what I did, uh, pretty much was getting the necklace back by paying. Uh, pretty, I felt like a pretty, um, you know, small fee, and then, you know, running away from all the enemies that were chasing me, and then giving it back to Porphyrian the monk. Um, and he kind of you know, judged me a little bit for taking the merchant's route, mm -hmm. but then he did allow me to learn the ways of the fighter, and so I changed back from a thief to a fighter, and I guess you get to choose like three weapons or classes of weapon that you want to know more about, mm -hmm. and so I picked the ones that I thought I might use, um, but... Uh, Anyway, yeah, I th in theory, I'm a little bit more adept now, but I then I like proceeded to try to walk through the dangerous alleys and just got creamed. So <sighs> there's that. I assume um, you do have Dakon with you at this point. No, I don't yet have another party member. And I, uh, I've died so many times that they sort of laugh at me when I wake up again and they say, like oh i feel like i've passed through the intestines <laughs> yeah. of a of a demon or whatever like mm -hmm. some horrible gross way of saying like you player you suck you are <laughs> you are trash um but you know yeah those are random in... it's not personal <laughs> i get those as well <laughs> so, so i don't know i mike how how far are you i don't know if you guys already talked about this but how far are you mike are you out of the city already yeah, I'm out of the city. I've been to a bunch of different places. I am, uh, without giving away where I am, I have uh, ventured out, I think, uh, further into the Outlands, I believe, is where I am now. Yeah, Mike has made significant progress. Uh, well, dang. Okay, then uh, what are we doing wrong, I guess? I, I know that I am 
you know, supposed to have a party member or two at this point. But aside from that, is fighter the way to go? I mean, it seems like that's kind of better than a thief at this point anyway. I still, I still want to be a mage ultimately. So I, I don't know how, how soon should I start doing that in in earnest? Well, at this point, you probably haven't even gotten the option. I don't think. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe it, it's someone in Ragnar Square. So if you've opened up thief, you should be able to open up mage. No, I ran into a lady who's practicing her spells, and she just like scolded me for interrupting her, and so I ran away. Um, but I no, think maybe that's that a good that's thing? a that's a different different area. Oh, okay. Darn. Yeah, I haven't made it to Ragpicker Square then. I don't think. Well, if you were a thief, then you probably talk to the guy in Ragpicker Square who will train you to be a thief. Um, oh, okay. So that's that area where they're. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're standing down in a corner somewhere, and they yeah, say... Yeah, the kind of know. dumpy area with the, the sort uh, of shack houses, that's... Um, but yeah, in fact, I, I think it's Mebeth, the, the midwife, the one who you were helping out. She's the one who will train uh, you. That makes some sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, so um, does Mourns for Trees unlock some portion of that quest? Or do I just have to be more... Uh, diligent about finding a merchant who knows about this seed that she wants or um, let know. me see um, I thought I had it but now everything is behaving badly sorry I'm looking at the walkthrough that I posted um, since that was especially helpful um, yeah mm -hmm. uh. yeah I'm not sure which quest that is um yes you can go to morns for trees and he'll he will in fact help you out um oh, cool oh man these old rpg shrines are so cool i love these websites right <laughs> yeah but like game faqs and stuff oh that was, that was my jam in the 90s and 2000s. Oh my gosh. Just sitting there with my laptop open and one of those silly ASCII FAQs up while I was playing through something. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole era of the internet that I just, I think was was good times. Um, anyway, so, uh, so I'm supposed to have at least one more party member. Any others that you can find at this point or are these all just sort of side quests and npcs that yeah you've until you talk to Farod and sort of start some serious progress on the main quest the, it's just going to be you morton dacon um okay but there are a ton of side quests obviously um yeah like mike and i were talking about the one um one of the folks in the northwest section of the hive uh he gives you a box and tells you oh, the box yes yeah. did you did you get the box the cursed box yeah i know that it's <laughs> obviously cursed from the way that somebody in a in a warehouse told me like get away from me you weirdo um yep but i don't know what to do with it so yeah it turns out said box is is very cursed and apparently the only way to get rid of it is to have somebody willingly take it from you um yeah 
what's more, said box apparently has a demon inside of it. Um, and the wards that are keeping the demon from getting out of the box are deteriorating. Um, so it's just a matter of time until said demon gets out, and basically you're playing hot potato <laughs> trying to get it to somebody else before the thing opens up and, and kills everyone. Um, but, fortunately, there is a priest question mark in the Alley of Dangerous Angles um, who is very interested in this thing. Um, and you can give the box to him and he will uh, take care of it for you by, like, teleporting the demon to some place very, very unpleasant where he gets diced up into little pieces or something. <laughs> um in typical sigil fashion, like use the dimensions and the doors. I think he is in fact a priest of doors or gates or something. Um, but yeah. Aww. And he gives you the, uh, the jewel in the box as a memento. It's very nice of him. Cool. So there is a reward for briefly being cursed with it. Yep. Good, good pile of experience as usual. And you know, you, you get some swag out of it as well. Um, I'm not sure what level I am at this point. It's pretty decent, though. Like, at least for Fighter, I was something like level 5 or 6, just from doing all these side quests. Um, Dang. But yeah, you keep up with them, and, and they do in fact pay off, and your party will will be <laughs> radically improved as a consequence. Has has anybody met the, anybody else met the Lady of Pain yet? I no. have not. I haven't been picking fight with fights with any Dabus yet because I don't want to <laughs> yeah I know I found a, I, I, actually, I actually should have kind of known this was coming but I accidentally stumbled onto another method and and uh, we had a bit of a meeting mm -hmm. was she nice the lady of pain <laughs> no, she was not nice she sent me straight to one of her mazes oh, that's not great yeah, and I had to find my way out. But you did, despite all of. Pardon? The, but you did successfully get out, despite all of the uh, all of the infamy of her mazes. Yes, I did. Um, it took me longer than than I I felt was reasonable for a self-respecting gamer, but I got out. <laughs> Very good, and no judgment. So, is there any way to um, encounter her and not get sent to a maze? Uh, I don't think so because it is not. It is. It is immediate. Like as if you, as soon as you do something that will alienate her, and you leave that that area, she comes and she and you're in a maze. There's no like you can't react to it okay i'm also pretty sure that's that's something you do in fact have to do before the end of the game like there i don't i don't think there's a way to beat the game without crossing the lady of pain and getting mazed at one point um but i don't i'm not entirely sure i'll have to confirm that when we get a little farther well when in sigil i guess uh it's not yeah, the so full that... sigil experience until you get mazed at least once you know it's like you can't very well go to Italy without visiting the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Like, 
can't very well hang out in Sigil for very long without getting mazed. It, is that um, sort of um, like a way to bond more with our, our tattoo artist? Maybe like I wonder if that plays into it um, since that uh, fell right is the name like, that seems like an important uh, I don't know a- avenue to progress. Um, it's kind of getting him on your side. Yeah, he's a good a good ally for sure, and his tattoos are extremely useful um, and very powerful. But, you know, I suspect that most of our interactions with him are just going to be, you know, merchant and client. Like, you bring your money and you get cool stuff. I, I will say that Sal and I have a sort of a, um, sympathy with each other in regards to how our relationship with Lady of Pain. I'm trying not to give, give away what I mean, but that's sort of an indication of the direction I went. Gotcha. Gotcha. And as far as these other side quests are, I mean, they definitely seem to give you way more experience than just fighting does. Yes. Um, I would say they're borderline necessary <laughs> from my experience of the game, having completed like one or two. Like, I don't feel like I can do much with my character as I stand. Um with, without getting some more buckets of experience from these kind of things, so. Yeah, and you can grind your way through the thieves, but it is very tedious and not terribly profitable. Um, I assume you've made it to the Merchant Square, though, so you can offload some of those gold bracelets and stuff that they drop. I, yeah, that's true. Um, and like I said, I... I took a wrong turn into the alleys and died, but I, I did start talking to some people. I found the stinky man that you guys were Requin. talking about who tells stories. Yeah. Uh, he is one of my all time favorite characters in this game. Huh? His, the one he told me so far was just like, I was a noble person. And then I stopped being that for some reason. Like, I didn't really get it, but I got some very like, um, uh, Joseph and the, and the, the dream coat kind of vibes. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. You can get more stories from him than just the one. Um, oh, okay. And he'll tell you, he actually tells you the origin of the alley of dangerous angles at one point. Uh-huh. Um, that apparently there was a particularly aggressive and hot headed fire mage who decided to go a little crazy and basically burn down the whole thing before a bunch of his friends captured him and turned him into the plane of fire which we should remember who that is smoldering corpse exactly um so the two of them are intimately connected the alley of dangerous angles was caused um by our smoldering corpse friend and our smoldering corpse friend was apparently a little too dangerous for his own good um might be valuable information should we ever find him released from his current situation um but Requind also like one of my all-time favorite interactions in this game is when you tell when you ask Requind to tell the story of the guy who woke up in the mortuary and didn't remember who he was um 
and you you end up telling the story to Reekwind, and it's just this wonderful little little interaction where Reekwind is sort of like carefully pressing you about details, and then finally you explain to him that you don't know how the story ends. You you haven't found the journal, and you know you you are in the middle of the story in some sense. And Reekwind, as a consequence, he flips you a clipped copper coin, and he's like, "It's a pretty crappy story. Um, feel free to come back when you're done." And it's just. It's like the the copper piece itself is an item. It sits in your inventory, and I think you can identify it, and it, has, it gives you like a luck bonus or something. Um, so it is therefore, you know, very manifestly an indication that Requin is kind of respecting your storytelling ability. Like it's such an interesting interesting motion on his part that on the one hand, you know, it's not a proper story yet. And that he gives you a less valuable reward as a consequence, but he also sympathizes with your plight and said reward is in fact way more valuable than it seems to be. Um, it's just a really, a really cool character with a really cool sort of attitude uh, circulating around him. So, like I said, one of my all-time favorite interactions. He also does. He also have the story of Farad. I believe that is that one of his stories. I'm trying to remember. I think so. Um, like you can certainly ask him about Farad. Uh, I forget what he tells you though. I mean, that's like your default option for talking to practically everyone. It seems like is yep. you know what can you tell me about Farad? Have you seen a journal? Uh, so it's kind of interesting then that he presses you for more information and that puts you in the position of like the person being asked stuff for a change yes um you can yeah. also help him out like he's got his whole stinky curse thing going on and you can uh you can convince them to to remove the the curse and get some pretty impressive experience out of it um as uh, well as possibly getting cursed yourself <laughs> It's okay. I mean, you you already look terrifying. You may as well smell <laughs> terrible as well. Right. Yeah. Well, so okay. Um, I guess that I I'll make it a goal then to to follow up with Mebeth. Um, but I probably won't opt to be turned into a mage yet because it seems like fighter is just a lot more practical at this stage at least it's a lot simpler too yeah um like if you want to go mage there's a lot of powerful stuff that you can accomplish as a consequence but you're going to have to both buy some stuff manage some stuff keep everything moving it's it's a lot of moving parts and you're not going to be enduring a lot of hits in the process so you got to be careful um okay fighter fighter is probably the smart move for the early game right on right on I am I, I'm I'm quite happy sticking with Ryder, particularly since I have um, worked with Mort a little bit, and the two of us together are because um, he he is like he has his own like it's a unique sort of build for him. So like whenever he levels up, it is very tailored. Like there's no there's nothing else but getting better at what he does. So he and I are together. We're pretty brutal at this point. But I am I am very content to stick with fighter with with uh, 
the nameless one. Yeah, keep in mind too, once you get Dakon, he's got a fair number of spell-ish abilities. Um, and if you turn into a mage, definitely talk to him and he'll give you some abilities himself. Um, but also feel free to modify his stuff in combat to get a sense for how spells work and how skills work and, and what exactly he can do. Um, it's good practice for once you become a mage yourself. Um, but of course you have to get Dakon first, so. Okay, okay. And Dakon, he's in one of the bars, is that he's right? He's in the Smoldering Corpse bar. Um, yeah. It's pretty okay. easy to talk him into joining up. Shucks. I mean, I did go there... I just is he the one who's like traveling with a cousin or something like that and there no that's the oh, okay. oh, who are those guys the the big armored dudes um but yeah dakon is he's an orange he has big pointy ears um and a magic blade that frequently changes color and shape um as a <laughs> remnant of his of his homeland in limbo cool okay yeah I, f I feel like this game something about the view of it i tend to not explore very thoroughly mm -hmm. any place that i manage to find like and i don't know what what that is and if it's intentional on the part of the designers like in order to hide things they sort of take advantage of my what um fear <laughs> like oh. i don't maybe part of it is that i don't want to really explore because i i'm gonna find things i don't uh well, admittedly you know your experience of spending massive amounts of time running away from from thieves will very much discourage any real exploration here like yeah the you you probably need to just stand your ground at one point and just take them all out as they come um just... as difficult as that might prove to be uh, but once once it's down to you know only little gangs of one or two or three attacking you at a time, it's considerably more manageable. And once you've got it so you know you're not threatened by one or two or three at a time, then yeah. you know it, it's it'll it'll open up the game for you quite a lot. Um, like, yeah, I, I understand how how the dying business is frustrating and definitely does discourage you from exploring. And I think. I think that's a remnant of older game design, really. Like, that would have been normal uh, to Planescape's audience. Like, the isometric, top-down CRPG thing was well-established at that point. Um, right. And, you know, right. It, it's a... it isn't natural now. Like, we have many different other conventions, and, and we don't sort of think of that. Like, I, I remember trying to play the first Fallout, um... And, you know, it's a classic game. Everybody agrees. It's one of the most important games in video game history. It's this huge CRPG, give rise to the whole franchise, which has obviously changed dramatically since then. And I love quite a few of the entries in, in the later Fallout games. But I couldn't get out of the starting cave. Like, I was getting taken apart by cave rats. And I'm like, that's not okay. <laughs> like... If I can't even get out to the wasteland, then, you know, what is wrong here? But I think it really is just, you know, the, the conventions are lost to us. The, the sort of basic everyday know-how that makes it easy for us to play a side-scrolling platformer like Mario, you know, it's just alien to us when you, when you change the, the assumptions for the, for the CRPG. You know, we, we did not 
grow up playing ASCII CRPGs. We did not, you know, get familiar with this, the, the brutal difficulty that is sometimes on display here. Um, so, you know, if you don't have those habits, the game is just not interested in teaching you how to develop them. Um, and and some of that, I think, I mean, some of it, I, I, I would think, goes to gaming of the time because I, I think you can make a pretty good case that gaming in general has become more accessible and in the process easier, just in, in general, the difficulty curve. But also some of that, I think, goes back to sort of the, the roots of the tabletop game because particularly in the first edition and sort of the pre-first edition age like it was ne it was not meant to be it was a punishing game or it could be a punishing game particularly given your who your dungeon master was and it was not it was it was a mark of player skill to respond to that and say okay then here's what i'm going to do um because it was about sort of like the world as this simulated puzzle box and you have to respond and if you don't respond properly you um might get squished yep and, right. that, no, that's and that, and that over time has that over time has definitely changed with the tabletop game, and also I mean CRPGs as well. I mean some of them, some games nowadays I think are trying to might might aim to intentionally evoke that sort of play style, but for the most part, there's a much greater interest I think in accessibility mm -hmm. and guardrails. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um... Like, there's been a real renaissance in CRPGs over the last few years, what with, you know, Pillars of Eternity and Divinity, um, the Shadowrun games. Uh, like, there's a lot of sort of going back to that format, but there's a lot more hand-holding in all of those games, a lot more tutorial, a lot more, you know, guidance, guide rails, as you said. Like, Shadowrun Returns, when it came out, is almost laughably easy um, because they just do so much tutorializing. Like, 80% of the game is, you know, a character with a certain backstory and a certain type that is obviously, you know, like, here is how to build this character, or here is how to, you know, do this skill, and they will literally walk you through the process of doing what it is that they do, specializing the way that they specialize. Um which is not on display here. Like, you get the couple of characters who will in fact train you to be a fighter or a thief or a mage, and that's great, but they're not going to show you how to do it. They're not going to show you how to play that. They'll, they'll like, tell you a couple of things like, hey, if you're a thief, maybe sneak up on people and then stab them in the back, because that's how you do thieving. And then they're like, oh, well, yes, that will involve clicking and right-clicking and doing this and doing that, and, but we're not going to tell you that, because that would break the game experience. You know, that that's... That's meta tax. Maybe check your manual if you really want to know, um, which of course we don't have. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I I find it very amusing the the way that teaching is presented within the game. Mm -hmm. Like, you talk, you have a quick conversation, maybe not so quick, but like that's the nameless one. Like learning, it, it's like the Matrix, right? It's like you mm -hmm. you upload this information and now you can do it, and yeah. so like the the the, dif the difference between you know hearing and saying things and actually doing them is kind of collapsed right and that I think goes back to the the roots of these games as this tabletop talk and back and forth kind of experience um, and I find that really cool but also like 
kind of funny as a teacher like if only i could just tell kids and they like know things like right what what a great what a great didactic uh it would simplify miracle so that would much be. yeah um, <laughs> i would never have to answer a question about my syllabus again um, <laughs> but yeah and, and part of it too you know like even on a on a more basic level just navigating the dialogue tree is something that you know I had to learn through this game like the fact that anytime you get into a conversation you're going to hear the same thing three times as you're trying to figure out like which dialogue options bring out you know whatever the the thing you're supposed to accomplish is like as much as this is a game about exploration it is a game about exploration in text as much as it is a game about exploration in the game world um Dude, yes yeah so again it, it's just like even in contemporary games that do have these sort of RPG elements with the conversation structure too, like those dialogue trees have largely been extirpated. Like you play Mass Effect or something and the dialogues are linear. Um, they'll give you options and those options will have multiple potential outcomes, but you're never going to get a chance to like go back and check the same option. Or if you do, it's going to be in a much more limited context. Um, Elder Scrolls is a little bit more generous about that. Like you play Fallout or you play Morrowind or something, and you can you can definitely ask the same person the same question fifteen times and get like three different answers. Um, but generally speaking, game design has been like, no, that's that's not fun. So let's let's not do that anymore, and instead let's change the way that conversation works, make it more realistic, make it more in keeping with our own experience. Um, and make it more intuitive as a consequence. Um, as Mike said, you know, there's been a lot more effort now that there are so many more people in the hobby to keep everybody on the same page, keep everybody involved. You know, back when it was a niche ho hobby for people who owned a PC that they didn't, you know, that they had at home rather than at work and occasionally used for recreational activities, i.e. all five of them, um, they could afford to be really specialized and lean into the conventions that had already been established. You know, now you you release the Planescape Torment Enhanced Edition and any any person on Steam can access it. There could be potentially thousands of people downloading this game who have never played a, a CRPG in their lives, have no idea what the conventions are, and now all of a sudden they're thrown into the deep end of the pool. Um, so... You know, again, that focus to sort of keep everybody in the loop and lower the difficulty. It's it's an important part feature of today's game design that didn't exist back then. Um, and again, unless you're invoking yeah. that feeling now, like deliberately going out of your way to make it difficult like it was before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the idea of the dialogue tree a lot. Uh, especially as so far as it has that kind of recursive mm -hmm. aspect to it, you, you run through it multiple times, and and that's totally how I feel playing this game. Is like, yeah, I should know better. Like I've done this a number of times, but I I just keep dying. And but it's like there's very little punishment on the other hand, right? Yes. It's it sort of mocks you, and it's sort of like is frustrating, but it doesn't like grind you down or anything. Yeah, at you, no you point do you get anything. a game over. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and and you certainly don't have to start all the way over you just you know you just that's run a, away and get where you were yeah and that's an interesting thing um because there are i, I think 
and and again you can look at this in both tabletop and in in video in video games where i mean it, and it certainly can vary but you'll have less of an expectation of death but more of a punishment for death mm-hmm. um you know, i'm thinking like in most mmos if you die your items take wear or damage or you might take uh, an experience debuff um so the idea is, I mean, certainly in an MO, your, your character is going to die a lot, but there's, I mean, there's less of a, oh, you know, to get anywhere, you have to die 15 times to make any, any sort of headway, um, you know, and in the same way, like there, there weren't, there were XP penalties for death in the third edition, there weren't in second. So like the idea is now that death is no longer sort of an expected outcome for your player or, or your character, um now there's more of a consequence if you die yeah you can afford to punish it more because it happens less often right yeah exactly that's that's i was trying to to say it like that that was a better way of phrasing my intention well that in itself is pretty interesting though right it's like um uh the the whole question of death is so central to this game, at least like what it frames right up front for us. So I, I find that pretty cool, actually. Um, and and I feel like, in a weird way, I'm importing my notion of what's, you know, frustrating or difficult or whatever into a place where maybe it doesn't belong. Because like we're saying, there's really no punishment for dying. Um, it's your your character is characterized by the fact that they don't actually die <laughs> they just wake up again on the slab and so it's kind of yeah um i guess it's the game poking some fun at us maybe i'm not sure well i think and... too you know like i can't help but think especially during this conversation of the the new super giant game that came out a couple of years ago or came out last year i don't know it was an early access for a while called hades which is also about an immortal character just beating his way through lots of bad guys and who dies very frequently, but death has no consequences because he is literally a god and cannot actually die, and the whole game is very much about death in that sense. Um, And Hades is very much about, like, unlike Planescape Torment, there is a certain amount of forward progress, but the levels are procedurally designed, you're going through the same stuff over and over and over again, um like it is it is you know it is um recursive in the same sense um but it is also not story driven in the same way um but that game too was very much emphasizing you know slow progress at the cost of time um but but i i I think that's 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 still uh hades is still representative of changes in uh in game design because not not only do you make progress every time you die but there's also there's also a a mode you can turn on which makes the game significantly easier because there's this expectation of we are actually we're actually willing to make this game accessible to a wider audience who either aren't willing or aren't interested in aren't interested or aren't capable of putting in the investment um to really sink you know into the grind but still want to experience the game or experience the narrative Mm -hmm. um and there's really no i mean there's no 
there's no sense of that in Planescape format. And I was also thinking sort of the closest modern inheritor might be sort of Dark Souls and its associated games. Because for some people, like the grind of Dark Souls is it's not a I mean, I mean, it quite literally is a feature, but they're for their in their expectation. It's very much not a bug. It's a feature like the grind is part of the experience and part of what the game should be like. And for other people, it's like I'm never going to play that game because it sounds like a chore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, it, it's a really interesting sort of nexus point there, the, the way that the solutions sort of spring out. Like, on the one hand, you've got Hades that is saying, you know, we're going to guarantee you're going to win, it's just going to take a while, and we're not even going to make it take that long if necessary. Dark Souls, on the other hand, is like, there is no guarantee that you're going to win, and we are going to punish you a lot for dying, but that's okay because this is going to you know be a game with a reputation and therefore you know everyone expects to work hard at it It has those conventions in the same way that torment does and planescape torment you know it is story driven and the story is sort of what you want to experience but it is you know a, a kind of archaism of game design that that story is largely gated off by the difficulty by the fact that you know you are being chased by thieves all over the place and you do have to master these fairly complicated you know battle systems in order to make that work um and as much as they are simplified here like again this is nothing compared to you know actually building a character in dungeons and dragons or presumably doing the same in you know, even something like Neverwinter Nights, which is more modern and more updated, but you have much more control over what your character actually looks like. Um, this game is still kind of inheriting uh, some of that behavior. And I wonder, I wonder if it would be an improvement to remove it. Like, as much as I definitely sympathize with, with Wes's frustration... Um, I wonder how much that frustration is in fact central to the game and how much could theoretically be eliminated. Like, if you in fact turned off thief aggression, would it make it better? Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like the option is there at the start. Like, I don't know if I did something wrong in some of my conversations to make all the thieves hate me. And like, if by killing a few of them... The other ones become more aggressive or like i don't no, they, i don't know they will the... just attack you no matter what okay. happens. like all you need to do is look at them long enough or be on the same page long enough and they, yeah. they will in fact just antagonize you um like anyway yeah i mean there are some places where you can sort of take care of it like i said in the alley of dangerous angles you can literally kill off everybody who is who is a pain in the butt but the thieves are always there. They will always respawn. Like, you can't just go around and clean the whole place out like you can in, in the Alley of Dangerous Angles. Um, my guess is, you know, at the time, they probably included them out of expectation. Like, people expected to have a combat system. And, you know, Planescape Torment, if you removed the thieves, it wouldn't change the plot almost at all. Like, almost all of the combat encounters are fairly isolated and a fairly small proportion of the game's progress, at least until you get to Ragpicker Square, and then, you know, it, it actually becomes considerably more integral now that you're actually navigating dungeons. I would imagine that the developers were actually a little scared at the prospect of making a game that was 
99% walking around having conversations with people and 1% combat. So it was like, we're going to drop in a whole bunch of threats and a whole bunch of random encounters because this is tabletop convention in the days of, you know, D&D 2nd and 3rd edition, but also because, you know, what is our game is kind of the question they're, they're being forced to ask. Um, part of the reason oh, why sure. I like this game is because it, it is sort of pushing back against those assumptions. Again, like you said, you know, you get a thousand experience from a side quest, you kill a thief and you get maybe 50. Like, it's no contest. Clearly you're supposed to be doing the, the story stuff. Um, and the thieves are just an obstacle, just getting in the way, just busy work in some sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like the, you know, coming back to Porfirion again, um, that he seems to kind of embody that kind of strange, as I don't know, um, place that violence and fighting has to in uh in this kind of game right like he's a fighter who doesn't fight and um and yet he sort of like looks down on you if you get the thing that he sent you to get without fighting the people who took it from him yep i Uh, definitely killed those same people and he seemed to be like yep i understand no questions (laughs) no judgment like from the supposed pacifist he seems to be very comfortable with the idea of you just taking people out to get what you want there is there is a long tradition in D and D of people seeking to make pacifist characters and sort of kits or builds designed for that purpose, and the fact that they really have never worked. <laughs> um, it's just, it's really not viable in this game to do that. You can certainly have a character who seeks a diplomatic or peaceful solution, um, and you know or. Per- or a party that is less interested in instigating conflict, but you really can't do the pacifist thing. And one of the things that I notice, you know, like I know that we're going to, we're hoping to play Shadowrun Dragonfall after this, so I don't want to, you know, get too much into it. But one of the, one of the things I found so striking about Dragonfall is that the combat really is a chore in that game. Um, and after Shadowrun Returns, where it was largely effortless, this was something noticeable. It was clearly designed into the game um, that combat be largely unpleasant and tedious um, to sort of indicate to you that this wasn't the ideal path. Um, where Planescape Torment, the combat, the combat often is tedious, but it doesn't know that it is. Um, like... You know, as much as we were griping about all these random encounters, it's largely assumed by the game that this is something you want to do. That's why it's happening so frequently. Um, I think it's it's very interesting to sort of see the contrast between those two. Recognize what combat means to each of these games. What violence means in each of these games. Like, despite the fact that we are, you know, we're talking about how how little it means to the game and it kind of has a surprising depth there insofar as you know killing people doesn't matter like nobody punishes you for it nobody gets upset with you about it porphyrion the pacifist doesn't seem terribly bummed about it 
Like, you know, when you when you kill a thief, Mort doesn't seem to think there's any issue here. He even encourages you to kill the zombies. It means literally nothing here. And considering that we're playing as the nameless one for whom death also means literally nothing, it just means that all of this pain and all of this suffering and all of this violence, nobody cares. Like... It is a very cruelly indifferent sort of attitude. And I don't think it's necessarily something that the, the developers had in mind. But it does work, I think. Um, it just very much drives home how little human life is worth out here in, in Sigil, this dangerous city, and the, the gateway to all of the, the afterlives, all of these other planes and realms. You know, it just drives home exactly how how hostile and how indifferent this place really is. Yeah, no, I uh, I sympathize with the fire mage uh, to an extent for wanting to just roast it all down. <laughs> and yeah, our fresh. But I but I much more so am of the of the mind of old warns for trees. Mm -hmm. You know that maybe that would be the more productive approach just to. If something we all to grow there believed that uh, it mattered it would only it were possible yeah 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 i am gonna uh yeah i'm gonna follow up with mourns for trees i'm gonna follow up with mebeth get my buckets of experience and and then when we want to find ferret we we have to put the junk in the holes right and then follow the portal and Yes. On underground. I, I knew that was where I must need to go, but um, there was a lot of bad guys last time I tried. So, okay. All right. All right. And I'm gonna keep plugging away, but yeah, you guys don't don't hold back on my account. Um, I, I don't mind spoilers really. So. Very good. Yeah. So thanks again. Uh, it is enlightening to hear your takes on this stuff. So always a pleasure and uh yeah have a great i don't know weekend and until we see you again yep take care you too all right, all right. see ya